0: Welcome to another edition of Dance Mama in Conversation. Today, I am thoroughly thrilled to be with filmmaker Emma Flett, who recently has made our very own Dance Mama film. And she has an extraordinary story and background herself, which has really absolutely contributed to how she can implicitly capture. How a Dance Mama Lives and Lifestyle. So um, I'm really pleased to welcome you, Emma. Oh, I'm so pleased to be with you, Lucy. Um, So Emma, you trained at the Royal Ballet School. You then went on to Lambda. You had an extensive career in the West End. And then around 2015, you started Flett Films. And some of your clients have included the Royal Ballet School. You've just had such an amazing journey. Tell us a bit, we'll start off with, tell us a bit about the context in which you're parenting at the moment. Oh
1: good question. Well the the, the never-ending juggle isn't it for all um, artistic mothers out there. I salute you all um, and that's part of the reason why I absolutely loved uh, making the Dance Mama film was just to Sort of story tell amazing women's juggling stories which we are we are all living. Um, my uh, current juggle is I have three teenagers two boys and a girl and they all do millions of different activities which I have to run them around to. One of them is a gymnast and does competitions all over the country so I juggle all my uh, filmmaking and workshopping and teaching around Um, hopefully trying to uh, put them first but it's a the juggle the juggle is real.
0: Yeah it absolutely is and and just sort of to highlight there in terms of your um, son and I know your daughter as well are are very sporty uh, that's kind of a a fantastic link back to your own physical sort of training and career that you have and how that's sort of transformed into their passions biologically I'm sure but also in terms of seeing you as a role model day to day and tell us a little bit more about what life was like when you started a family and what sort of things you were doing.
1: Well yes and that is um, really my had, has been my whole motivation for wanting to um, support your organisation and to make the Dance Mama film with all my heart because um, you know you and I have had this conversation but sharing it more widely um, I found it hugely difficult. Um, I was performing right up until um, I had my first son um, and you know I encountered fertility problems on that road before I had him. Um, I had three miscarriages and so it was very traumatic even just you know just 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 having him and the juggling work even up until the point of having him was very difficult I I actually shot a commercial in South Africa whilst having a miscarriage which was too dramatic and 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 not at all what you would plan but but how life sometimes is So when I then was holding my little boy in my my arms, um, the thought of rushing back to work was not my first priority, but I also didn't know how on earth I was going to make it work. And perhaps because I'd had the problems in in conceiving and in having a child, I hadn't really thought it through. And um, I was just so desperate to, to, to have a child. And as a freelancer who's going to auditions and, Um, getting jobs on a very sort of ad hoc basis. I just had absolutely no idea how I was gonna make that work. Um, And it was incredibly stressful. Um, I was not somebody who had grandparents on tap who could step in so I could go to an audition. So just even down to costs of going to an audition and getting fit enough to go to an audition, um, to pay for somebody to look after, somebody when you might not even get the job Um, I just didn't even see how that was going to work physically as well and I know you know with Dance Mama you do a lot about things I had a very difficult first birth um, and the physio came to see me just after the birth and um, very in a very serious tone said to me that I absolutely must not exercise six months and as a dancer and a performer I was terrified of what I had done to myself and also um, you know I knew that people who had a cesarean were told six weeks so I thought crikey what on earth have I done that I can't exercise for six months and realistically from a work point of view what, what did that mean yeah so I had friends in the business who were trained in postnatal pilates and I just had to do all of that myself you know once I so which is why you know you you do all of this um and and it's so amazing but I I was completely clueless and felt incredibly isolated um and the reality then was because the problems that I had encountered I wanted another one quite quickly so I'm like, again my priority wasn't at that point to get back to work I was, however, in charge of a dance company at that time, Urban Angels, and I had delegated that while I was um, having Jonah, but I was very keen to get back to running this company. Um, And so the idea of freelancing and running a company while not being able to dance at all, um, while trying to have another baby and feeling terribly isolated, uh, really highlighted to me how a community for dance mummers in, in the arts, just a support network offering resources and support was, would have been incredible. And, I, and, and it, you didn't exist, <laughs> Lucy, What's so that? thank heavens for you. So there was lots of issues going around um, at that time and I was very unsure um, how I was ever going to get back to my career. And I know you know the stats on on women falling out of the arts if they if they you know lose their way. And and, and that was very close to my story. What I decided to do was not go to auditions that I couldn't afford to go to without hoc childcare, yes. but jobs that came to me because of my past you know contacts and experience, I I, I tried to do. Yes. So I actually did while the boys were young. I did quite a few things. I did lots of radio plays. I did um, two pantomimes. I did a play. Um, I did a flamenco show while breastfeeding, you know, it was, it was an insane juggle, but I was very lucky in that the the work was still coming to me um, when the boys were young, because I just couldn't afford to be going to five castings with no childcare and, with no guarantee of any employment at the end of it. So that was my way of sort of managing my sort of freelance um, headache, if you like. Um, and I was a very, you know, sort of full-on uh, mum as well as juggling that, that work stuff. I didn't, you know, really have um, the finances for a full-time nanny. So it was a juggle between yeah. me and my husband. One of my um, other uh, good friends in the industry was in a different financial position and her, was able to have full time nannies and go on tour that was that was not me you know so i um and i know that she paid more in childcare than she earned yeah um so i know this is a this is a you know i'm stating the obvious but um that was that was the reality i found myself in and so me and my husband made as much work as I could manage work between us because he he's also self-employed and has his own business. So that was our way of managing it. But I think one of the most difficult things was feeling incredibly isolated. Yeah. Um so yes, all power to dance, mama, and the community that you've created.
0: Oh, th- thank you, Emma. And and just to say, I, I absolutely, I feel felt exactly the same as you. And I know our situations weren't um, you know total carbon copies of each other but very similarly particularly for the freelancers and those in organizations do have much more support but it's interesting you say sort of stays in the obvious it's so obvious to us but to so many other people it's completely invisible within our industry and, and externally and absolutely that sense of um, sort of, I, I try and break it down into three areas. If you've got kind of the physiological stuff where, although we're starting research now, we are still borrowing from our allies in, you know, uh, sports science and, and other areas to have a sense of what might be the right thing to do, but there's still nothing published and concrete. Um, for the dance community to to tap into in in that way or bespoke support uh, we we do we do our best but absolutely that's another area of growth that we need to focus on to really support individual journeys and everybody's journey is so, so different um, but also role models as well and it, it's interesting to hear because The 30% of us, and that's the sort of current stat um, with Pippa's COVID survey, who stay, what are the qualities you think you have lent into to stay in the game, but also what role models, and they may well be dance related or not, have really helped inspire you to keep going in really arduous circumstances? A two-parter. That's good,
1: but I'll i will I'll digress slightly, as I, as I always do, because I think I've got a, I've got a great mishap childcare story, which you'll love, which Elaine Page, I know, is going to publish in her memoirs because she loves it so much. But I think one of the main things that was very stressful was also me trying to hide how difficult it was. Yeah. And um, so one of the things that I think you do so well, Lucy, is to give voice and presence to even this conversation. And and one of the sort of really stressful aspects of it was that when I was working, I felt like I had to hide the fact that I had children or the juggle that was created because of that. Um, And so to highlight that, I'm going to tell you one of these. I've got many, but there's one particularly good one. I was doing a radio play and I turned up at the sound house in um, Shepherd's Bush and Jonah was a 16 month old tearaway who was at that age where he put his fingers in plug sockets and um, or you know tried to run in front of cars so so it was a stressful time and I had a friend uh, who was uh, an actor who was coming to the sound house to look after Jonah there so that I could police said terrible twos you know and I think I was pregnant as well with the next one you know so it was it was like this anyway he phoned me on the way there his motorbike had broken down and he wasn't going to get there oh god and it wasn't it wasn't the most seamless form of child care was it but you know it was the option that I had I think he was his godfather is his godfather so I um so and he's an actor so he would understand the environment
0: so I was
1: taken by the casting director, who thankfully I'd worked with lots of times and who I knew well. And I explained what had happened, and I was taken to the area where our cast were. And the only person sat there was Elaine Page. And I'd met Elaine a couple of times, and she's absolutely lovely, but she's not a sort of childcare kind of person. But she was my only childcare option okay. because the director was calling me in for the scene, and I had no childcare and. Elaine Page was my only option. So I buttered her up and and she was absolutely delightful and so lovely and so generous. And of course, darling, of course, that's absolutely fine. But I was absolutely, we were, it's an industrial estate that Mm -hmm. went out to sort of car parks and roads and and the door was open and I just thought, well, Jonah, will he survive? You know, this is, (laughs) how's this gonna go, you know? But I was, I was ushered quickly in. And then while I was there, and Laura Laura Michelle Kelly was doing the play and we knew each other. And while you're here, Emma, let's just do this scene. And while you're here, let's just do this. And while you're here. So I was in there forever. And I thought, when I get out, I don't know what I'm gonna find. So I go out and Elaine Page is happily chatting to somebody, but there's no Jonah. Oh God. So I just nervously like, "Uh, where is Jonah? And she says, oh, Robert took him. And I'm thinking, Robert, excellent. You know, this is parenting fail, number one. A strange man has taken my child. However, it was Robert Lindsay. Who was also in our play, who I hadn't met yet. And Robert had taken Jonah. Robert does have children. And he took Jonah into another sound studio. And I could see through the glass window. And he was singing Jonah to sleep. And I'd never met Robert. And I sort of loved him from that moment on because, you know, as a desperate parent, juggling. And as I say, trying to, you know, and I and I wrote effusive emails to the casting director afterwards saying this will never happen again. And I'm so sorry it happened. And the sort of shame, I think, that we can feel when we're in these situations, which I honestly don't think I would feel now. I feel I feel much more adamantly kind of strong about the fact that, you know, this is our lives as performers and we shouldn't apologize for it. Yeah, um, yeah. but in that young mum insecurity trying to keep your professional face together, um, you know, it, it that I found that incredibly um stressful. So anyway, that was just a little story cr- for
0: you. What, what a story.
1: <laughs> so I think probably, you know, uh, a role model would be Robert Lindsay, because yeah. you know, he modeled to me someone who's a parent in the industry who got it. Yeah. And who stepped in and knew what to do. And um, I think we do need those people to sort of uh, speak up for um, both, you know, and, and, and there's so many artists doing it now yeah. who are very much standing up for um, their identity as, as women and as mothers and as performers. Um, and we we need people to do that. Um, absolutely. So I hope I'm one of them now. But as I say, in those early days the insecurity was very high of thinking I'll never be employed again because you know I'm this juggling nightmare mother
0: well and the thing is it, it again it's kind of that identification that, that it's a nightmare and you're you're bringing an extra problem whereas in fact the situation and the system is failing you in that way in not making it easy for or easier for you to be your, bring your whole self and where you need to bring your child to work to be supportive and inclusive of that and I think absolutely although things are moving in the right direction there is still an enormous amount of fear and insecurity that if somebody finds out or somebody is inconvenienced by my parenting I'm going to lose this job or I'm not going to get employed again or that, you know, and I think it's better, hopefully better by what we've been able to do, but it's still really, really bad. And I'm sure I will be working the rest of my career (laughs) advocating and, and after, after that, and of course, I'm not on my own doing that here. There's a whole movement now of us in lots of different ways, trying to change the situation and narratives because I'm sure you feel then and now being a parent of three children having all of those experiences makes you a richer performer particularly in terms of mining your life or expression acting wise but also in dance and having an understanding when you're teaching of holding space for those young people, but also their families as well. And I really- Oh, hugely, hugely. I mean, all through lockdown, I was teaching the lovely
1: Central School of Ballet students, Flamenco on Zoom. And, you know, I was dealing with my own homeschooling children um, and and teaching down here in my studio, the the lovely Central students and and feeling as much as that I was, pastoring and mentoring them through the whole of, of lockdown as a, as a friend and as a mother, as much as, as a teacher and a coach. Um, and absolutely, I think it, it, it increases your capacity for empathy and uh, creativity and curiosity and support, 100%. So I don't think it should be anything. We should be sort of trying to conceal um, or not celebrate from employers. I mean, from a logistical point of view, I when I was doing the flamenco show in the West End and still breastfeeding my number two child, um, I found out I was pregnant with number three. And it was at that point that I think my agent really sort of, I could hear a big sigh at the end of the phone. And again, that's another terrible sort of anecdotal story of a casting where I was sent to the casting for a a commercial for a supermarket. I hadn't even told my mum yet that I was pregnant, but in that casting suite, very small casting suite, I saw the breakdown and it said, young mum abseils down into the supermarket and in small print, if you are pregnant, please leave the casting. And a young casting director, younger than me, she came out and she very stroppily, like was such, she'd sent someone home because they were pregnant. She, stu- she stood there in the very small waiting room and she said, if anyone else is pregnant, could you please leave? And as I say, I hadn't even told my mum. And in front of a room full of strangers i had to stand up and leave the room i mean it, i mean i don't know if these they'd get away with doing things like that these days but um on the way home because i had to explain to my agent why i'd left the casting that's when i so i told her before i told my mum yeah and um i just heard the sigh at the end of the phone i heard the kind of oh emma <laughs> and uh so at that point, it had already been such a juggle with the two young boys and working. It was at that point that uh, a colleague and friend who was in charge of a drama school asked me to start teaching yeah. on a more full-time basis uh, for him. And so while I was juggling kids and school and nursery, I did that. And, and, and so I was part of that cohort for a number of years before I started the film. Um, business which reconnected me back in but you know obviously I was teaching and I was still connected uh, to the industry but leaving performing at that point I found really really hard
0: um, I, I should absolutely think so I think so I'm like sitting here listening to this like totally speechless of how that discrimination being so blatant and we know even in the last 15 years, there are ways through the magic of television <laughs> that that could have been a special effects or some sort of way if you had been right for that role for, for, for that, or or any of the other pregnant people in that casting who had been right for that role to be kind of, you know, digitally made to upset or some kind of trickery to make it look realistic. I think that's just appalling. And, and I wonder. <laughs> I wonder now if that casting director has become a parent herself and even remembers because I think also as well there's a bit of a delineation between absolutely who you were before and who you are afterwards, but I'm absolutely sure I too probably in my 20s was saying things to other parents at work not being a parent but probably now I'd be hanging my head going, Oh God, why have you just you know? Of course they can't come out to the pub till 10 o'clock. They've got to go home and do bath and bed. What are you talking about? Um, but but it's trying to get that, that education in um earlier as well is something that we're striving towards. So for a few reasons. One, so forewarned is forearmed, I guess. Also, sort of shifting the culture, but also really so young people can see that that is a possibility for them, even if they haven't started to entertain starting a family yet, that it's not a foregone conclusion that you, you will end your career at this specific moment in time, usually under the age of 35, and then you will do something else. And um, just trying to, to change that. But But I wonder as well in terms of the, the teaching and again, that contrast between the freelance lifestyle, which is very chaotic and, and ad hoc, the teaching kind of aspect gave a little bit more stability, but were they also supportive or did you feel more supportive uh, uh, as a parent in that context or supportive?
1: I think I was still very much carrying the, you know, I mustn't talk about my children, and uh I must put my professional face on and I don't know how much that was me um and how much that was the you know the organization I was working for I think probably a little bit of both um there was only a couple of other women one who had children so you know it wasn't like there was a there was a group of us in the staff room sharing our and and I do remember you know the the the, the inevitable getting one ready in a you know, Easter parade chick costume and another one being an Egyptian and running off to teach students who hadn't learnt their lines and didn't know what they were doing and getting that phone call from the neighbour who picked up the kids to say, Zach won the Easter parade and just crying, you know, because you're like, I've managed it. I've managed to juggle this and this and get my students ready for the performance they're doing, but not really being able to sort of share that you know, with anyone, because it's so ridiculous, isn't it? Who cares, you know, about the Easter parade, but you know, for your kid, that's a really big deal. And, 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 and just juggling all of that and the amount of energy and effort it takes to sort of be there as a parent and support all of those little things, but uh, be a professional at the same time. So, yeah, I think we, we also put it on ourselves, don't we? As women to sort of do everything brilliantly, um, which we can't always yeah and and we sort of have to model that to our kids as well and I think my kids I've always you know reiterate reiterated to them how imperfect I am and I don't do everything you know perfectly but they do uh see me being very active and and I I know that that does inform them as people as well especially now they're older um I think when they're little they just want your presence don't they which is which is really hard if you're if you're not there um when as they get older and they see the things that you're doing and the things that you're active in that's a motivator and an inspiration for them and actually helpful to their sort of um education and and formation really but I think when they're little they they just know if you're not there for the concert or you're not there for the Easter parade and and those are really hard um if you can't say to your company or who you're working for actually you know I know it doesn't seem like it's important but
0: this is really important (laughs) you know but you know there's a real kind of challenge around just the tension and the competition between trying to make like you say the juggle and trying to make everything work and and that makes you have to make choices on the work front and on the parenting front to try and keep everything moving forward. And like you say, you're not going to be able to hit all buttons all the time. But what I think we're trying to change is where people are really having to make decisions that otherwise they wouldn't be doing because they're a parent, which is really holding them back and making employers try and make more alternatives. For example, you, you know having two casts or sharing roles or and job well I mean it's 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 really really shocking isn't it
1: that there's only ever been that one job share in 42nd street for two mothers I mean it, it's it's really really shocking you think of the amount of primary schools around the country that have job shares for year one year two year four year five, you know it's 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 just a given you know that these these things are facilitated. So it, it's quite shocking that 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 there's that's a newsworthy story of one job share, one show, you know, one producer. And um, so I think everything that you're doing, and like you said, others are doing, to give voice to this within the arts, so that we're not losing people. Because I I did feel like I I I left the industry uh, when I had Karis. I didn't feel like I had a choice um, to sort of maintain and juggle the freelance lifestyle with three children. I don't regret her at all. She was an extra special surprise, um, which she knows, but um, I don't regret that at all. But that was the cost. It was just one step too many to sort of juggle. And, and teaching was fulfilling, but it wasn't the same um, and isn't the same as performing. And so when I started my film company, um, I had started writing and creating and working with a, a couple of filmmakers. And my, my very first film that I made was about a pregnant ballerina. And I think I was probably cathartically working through some of my own issues of transition yes. Which I probably hadn't. So I um, that was that first film then led to my first commission for Dancers Career Development, where they wanted to make a film about women transitioning from their performing careers into other careers, which they 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 fund and support. So um, I didn't know at that time that making films and being at the helm creatively of a project was going to give me. I can say now as much of a buzz as 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 performing did. I didn't think that nothing I didn't think anything would compare to eight shows a week. And I missed it for a very long time, Um, even though I was devoted to my children and I wanted to be present and I wanted to be with them. There was there was nothing that compared to the the buzz of performing and that release uh, performing. And I and I really missed it and I sort of ached for it. But when I started to be at the helm creatively of making films, I absolutely felt that same creative release. And um, I did do one last show, which was with the wonderful uh, comedian and friend, Sally Phillips at um, the uh, Leicester Square Theatre. And it was a show called Dancing with Dogs. And at the end of the show, I did a dog tango, which doesn't need explained. And um, the final show, Emma Thompson came and uh, afterwards she bought me a drink and she told me that I'd made her piss her pants. (laughs) So it ain't a BAFTA, but I'll take it. Making Emma Thompson piss her pants. For me, I just started directing and making films at that time. Sally asked me to do the show. I did the show and it, it kind of felt like a, okay I, I'm, I'm really happy directing and being at the helm of creative projects really lovely funny joyous last show to do where Emma, Emma Thompson buys me a drink at the end and says you were amazing and that was it I hung up my sort of performing shoes and I'm very very satisfied and happy at the helm of of Flat Films and and creating Creative projects and collaborating with other artists, which I absolutely love and feeds me hugely. Um, and especially the Dance Mama film telling the story of you know four amazing, dynamic performers who are living that juggle. Um, that I, I sort of did initially with two, and, and then I didn't <laughs> <laughs> and then didn't quite manage. Um, so I absolutely loved telling their story in film and celebrating them um, and, and giving platform to, to these incredible artists who are, who are doing this and who you're supporting. Um, so I feel very sort of fulfilled now. And I, I hope that by, by giving platform to these conversations, we encourage and help other artists who might be struggling yeah. at home thinking i will just fold the laundry for the rest of my life
0: yeah and 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 that's it and i think there's a few things there to, to pick up on one em, i mean both emma and sally are also mothers and emma recently had an article in the guardian talking about um being in her own body at this stage of life i think hope i get this right emma think, oh I, it was amazing it was amazing um, but yeah, about, you know, looking at her daughter sort of in her early 20s and then her mother at kind of the later stages of life and just the beauty of all, all of that, those three generations together. She's amazing.
1: Everybody should read it. It's, it's um, an uplifting article about the journey of women yeah. through their lives and our connection to each other and celebrating that very sort of earthy connection and the generations. And yeah, she's, a, she's such a great voice as an artist and a mother.
0: Just, just wonderful. And in terms of um, then the four artists in the film, I mean, when I saw the first cut, <laughs> I know it's our film, <laughs> but I you know commissioned Emma to make it. And I look, looked at it and watched it and I was just paralyzed with utter joy and just probably one of the biggest emotional responses I think I've ever had to an artistic product because we're so closely connected in it but just thought oh my god you've managed to capture exactly exactly what that feels like and the challenges around it but also the beauty of all of it and the potential that are in those people that you see in different ways in their different roles and how how that's realised and and this isn't to begrudge anyone who doesn't choose to go and and follow their career dance or not, you know, I have hats off to also the the mothers who choose not to work or, or don't work, it's one of the hardest jobs and I think if it was financially remunerated, I know that Mother Pucker's done some work on this and it was something like your annual salary would be about 250,000 pounds a year, you know. Yes, please. It's one of the most undervalued in our society jobs of, of rearing the next generation. But But the film, it just completely transcended to another space that I couldn't then Function and I was supposed to go and pick up the kids, <laughs> which is quite funny, sort of wandering around to the car going, Oh my god. Um, but absolutely, in terms of the creativity you have as a teacher and a performer, and then fueling into film, I think those people who do become filmmakers and have a or photographers and have a background in dance, you see things differently mm-hmm. than people who haven't and knowing those kind of moments musically and rhythmically to capture them at their really kind of absolute peak moment to, to beautifully mm-hmm. sew it all together. and
1: Well, for me, it's like choreography. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, my great buddy at uh, Royal Ballet School, who we always were competing with each other, he's done all right. Chris Weldon I think he's MBE, OBE, I don't know. Wow. something like that anyway we used to misbehave in each other's rehearsals to try and sabotage each other's work because obviously it was very mature um but you know so we were great sort of choreographic competitors and as I say he's done he's done all right but for so for me it's, it's an expression of choreography in the filmmaking and I and I did put my whole heart and soul into it and I'm so pleased that you had that emotional response because as performers we need a, a visceral emotional response because that's the life that we're living. You know, it's not a, a infomercial, as we discussed right in the beginning when we were crea- wanting yeah. to create it. It's creating the, the, the feeling that, ugh, the uh, the internal journey of, of what it feels like to be a mother and a performer. And I will say as well, for all the dance puppers out there, that my co-filmmaker, Michael Rouse, who is an amazing dancer and actor in his own right, uh we very much collaborated on the film. And I think um, whilst obviously the focus in the film is on four dance mummers, you know, Mike and he, all his creativity and artistry and love went into it because he's a dance pupper, and we're not we're not forgetting the dance puppers at all. Um and a big shout out to Mike uh for what he brought um to the project because he has lived, him and his wife are both in the industry, and they they are those insane double couple
0: dance uh,
1: dynasty yeah dance dynasty love that they will love that dance (laughs) dynasty that juggle both their professional lives and two kids who also are budding performers and one of them was the leading role in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory so it's it passes through like you said into the different generations and I know from all my many conversations with fellow performers that what you said right in the beginning that being a mother uh, and I know one lovely ballerina and friend, Leanne Benjamin says she knows, she knows that her career post having her son was far deeper, more profound, more connected um, after she'd had a child um, than before, that the, the level of her um, expression and her ability to communicate as an as an artist was far, far deeper. And I do think we have still got a job to do in, um, helping, you know, the, the people who, who make money out of artists, the producers, to, to realise this, you know, and to help us um, as artists uh, enable our careers and, and, not, and not see um, artists who are mothers as, as headaches or drains on their resources, but quite the opposite. Um, and I know that the Opera House have, have really done that they've you know and they're they're a different you know so, but they've really invested and supported their artists um, to go back uh, to work um, when they've had children and it works and they keep their talent and um, so I think we need to be modeling that and showing that and 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 helping other organizations to do that better
0: absolutely I mean just to kind of firstly pick up back on kind of Um, the infomercial aspect that we didn't want, it was really important to me to make sure that whoever made this film really got it. (laughs) And it was almost kind of serendipitous to kind of start looking and do do the research to find you. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, unicorn. you know has the dance mama experience makes amazing films totally would understand how to make an advocacy film uh, and uh, it being succinct and i'm just so grateful because i that authenticity just it's implicit it's just it's just there and i don't think if it was anyone else it would be quite so special so that's amazing And, and again the very reason that your parent made <laughs> made you uber employable <laughs> for this project, as opposed to not. <laughs> yes, and also yes. the messages that you from, from again, thank you for your generosity in, in what happened um, in regards of that that commercial and casting. But the the combination, I think, of having that um, rejection from the outset. Purely based on you being pregnant, one, then compounded with the not so great attitude from your agent uh, uh, who should be congratulating you and celebrating that. I think, absolutely, there's so many pressures on parents in the sector that, absolutely, you know, no matter how strong a character you are or resilient or tenacious, if you haven't got someone cheering you on and empathetically understanding what you're going through and creating the right conditions for you to thrive it's 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 so difficult and and just to sort of reiterate that that point when we're advocating for this lifestyle we're not advocating for it because it's easy it isn't (laughs) it isn't that it is not but is it fulfilling absolutely yes and i hundred percent believe with my soul and every molecule of my being that people who have a talent for something should not be denied expressing that just because they become a parent and that
1: is why you do what you do Lucy and you're so good at it so when and, and I know it's it's like your life's work and it's your journey and 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 your uh, your sort of mandate, if you like, and, and you do it amazingly, which is why, you know, when you approached me to make the film, and 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 let's be honest, there wasn't there wasn't lots of lots of budget to work with, but I was like, we will make a killer film because of how passionately I believe uh, we need to platform um, this this story and this aspect. You know, we we have we have sort of dancers who've become incredibly sort of famous. Mm -hmm. Um, through the sort of niche of like Strictly. Yes. And and they're incredibly sort of valued in society as these sort of almost sort of demigods of of people. And social media has obviously helped dancers have their own platforms, which are separate from organisations and have shown people that sort of almost goddess-like, you know, quality that dancers can have but there's still so much to do yeah. in educating, you know, business, businesses, and just, you know, I, I you know, talking about this particular aspect of, it, it feels like it's this tiny little sort of niche thing, <laughs> you know, but actually it, there's, there's, as you know, the stats in the industry, there's so many livelihoods and talent in our industry affected, um, We've got to do better. It's not just the it's not just the strictly dancers who are goddesses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's makers and it's you know, having makers, the whole industry, and my background is contemporary and it's all about making something new, making something new, do something new. If nobody does that or is given the conditions to do that, then what happens? It either gets very skewed in terms of the artistic programming with people who aren't parents or it just completely gets minimized. And the industry is about 40,000 people large, but 80% are women. But an interesting point I keep coming back to, which actually a friend sort of, um, it's got me thinking, a non-dance friend got me thinking about is, the audiences in the West End, and for a lot of dance is also women. So if there are less of them, in key decision-making positions, What we're seeing being presented and curated in front of us is that actually representative of of the audience itself. And we really have to try and and change the way things are happening to retain talent that because they've started a family and otherwise they'll be lost. Because again, the knock on effect all round is is huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I did talk about this a bit because I think, you know, I've been making a a documentary about the arts in the pandemic and I met so many wonderful producers and and heads of theatres and, you know, everybody was obviously having a terrible, terrible time. And, you know, it was, I felt like I was having a counselling session with most of them, (laughs) most of the time. So it was quite a privileged uh, position to sort of hear their challenges and difficulties through COVID. But it did come up as well in some of those conversations about you know losing people in our industry and the kinds of people that we will lose first yes and, and actually being able to recruit you know post pandemic in sort of all areas of the industry, you know actually, you're right of the, the the people that will go missing first who won't who won't be able to sort of make it back. Uh, with COVID on top of everything that did that did come up um, in conversation so we do have to look at who's at the helm and who sort of is making these decisions and who's investing in the next generation I do talk to either you know my students that I'm working with or young performers that I'm working with um, and coaching some of the Royal Valley principals and uh, they say to me how do you do it Emma how do you do it how do you have the the profession that you have and juggle your family life how do you please tell me how do you do it and um and that sense of sort of fear and anxiety and almost panic about what what will happen to me how will I make it work yeah and so even you know unwittingly I've become that role model you know which which younger women are saying to me Emma, please show me how to do this, because I don't know how. And I think because I had such a sort of significant wobble at the beginning of my parenting career of thinking, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to do this Um, badly, probably, and I think that's, that's helpful. All of these conversations are helpful and takes the fear out of it. And all that you're doing is immensely more helpful because you've got programmes in place and you've got support in place and you've got a community in place. Because I think one thing that would have really helped me was just to connect yeah. with a Dance mama community to know that there's, there's, there's other people out there in exactly the same place that I'm in, yeah. looking at what my options are as a freelancer, as a dancer, as a teacher, as a coach, what are my options and pooling experiences and working together, maybe helping each other out with childcare, maybe, you know, all yeah. sorts of things could could come from that community and from that platform. So you know, you're the one doing the doing the really good stuff, Lucy, but I'm very, very happy through my work to be able to, you know, get it to share it through the film, you know.
0: Absolutely. And de- definitely it's on all of us really being those role models and being that person close to another dance mama or dance papa absolutely and and for me similarly with nothing um kind of there industry-wise is the official place to go to or 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 primary place to go to or anything like that at the same for me it was kind of going to people that i knew had had children and i think I was lucky in that um, my boss at the time was his wife was pregnant at exactly the same time. It was like within a week. So he had a, a good understanding, he's a very empathetic person anyway. But also Kerry Nichols was um, supporting me and mentoring me for a piece, a, a youth dance piece that we were making for back in 2012, leading up towards the Olympics with other youth dance companies. And again, she, she had been parent. so I was really lucky that I'd come across or been closely connected with, with other people. But I, even so, I knew that was really unusual. And mm. I just really felt that other people, what if you're at this point, and especially the journey, and particularly at the beginning where it, it changes, as soon as you've kind of mastered it, they've changed again another week, and uh, with the goalposts keep moving. To find somebody at the same moment in parenting as you with a similar job in such a small industry, unless there was something to connect you all in a central point, how would you even find that person? And and there's something very specific about us psychologically as a group because of the training that we've had that makes us a little bit (laughs) different to people who don't work in a similar creative sector because it's a vocation and a calling and like you say that need when you're not in it you really miss it and it feels re- everything feels really out of whack and I could only cope with that for about I think six weeks but my way of trying to get back into it was doing mum and baby yoga or something but I thought god at least I'm in a studio this is the longest I've not been you know, uh, and even that wasn't exactly right, but it was sort of stepping stones stones towards. But um, then we get cases like Bethany now, Kingsley, Garner, and thank you, Emma, for, for introducing Bethany to, to Dance Mama, because we can genuinely see that it has had an impact in supporting her on her maternity leave. And speaking to her very recently, she's just back in the studio, I think it, probably this week's her second week back, but having that regular contact, you can see the d- difference straight away in terms of when we're more supported, funnily enough, <laughs> we work better. Uh, uh, it's a no brainer. Uh, um, Emma, to wrap up, before yeah. you make Robert Lindsay an honorary member, because <laughs> he should be, when people are asking you, what do you do? how do how are you doing this what what would be your sort of top advice I think um
1: a little bit of what I said earlier touching on um knowing that your your creativity is actually helping you as a parent and that your parenting is helping your creativity
0: absolutely yeah
1: so where there's a bit of guilt and a bit of pulling on your resources and on your energy, I think when you remember that at the center, whatever decisions you're making with your career or with your parenting, if you know, if you trust that actually, you know, within reason, obviously I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, go on tour for six months and and leave my children. So I'm not, you know, and, and everybody has different, you know, I know people who have done and they've made it work and their kids have come out and joined them everyone has to be responsible for their own, you know, choices that they make around those things. But I think, you know, within your sort of limitations of what you are able to do, if you're, you know, authentically making decisions for the good of your family and for the good of your career, um, they should and could benefit each other. And, you know, I mean, there was one film shoot I did um, where, we were doing um, some filming with Tom Holland. And so I was able to pick up my kids. I got permission from the head teacher to pick up my kids early from school to go and be on set with Spider-Man. Amazing. Quite cool. Um, they remember it. I mean, Tom Holland, how how big is he now? I mean, he wasn't quite, he was, he was he was Spider-Man at the time, but now he just seems to be on everything and everywhere. Um, so my kids have all got, you know, their pictures with Tom and they tell all their friends, yeah, I've been on set with Tom. Um, and it's not all about that. That's the that's the very sort of little cherries on the cake that you get sometimes. But more than that, I think um your your children see that your creativity is a force for good in the world. And hopefully that that inspires them. Um, and then absolutely, I think the person that I've evolved and become as an artist would not be, had it not been for all the, the incredible things that my children have uh, brought to my life, the color, the vibrancy, the challenges, the emotions, the depth of insane love that you feel that you then pour into your artistry. So um, I think that's at the center. And obviously every artist and mother will be making different choices depending on on what their commitments and and financial needs are. Um, But I think if, if you know that, then that's what keeps you sane.
0: Emma. I cannot thank you enough for everything that you've done, everything that you are doing for Dance Mama and all those people in your community and the industry that that you know and that you're influencing in such a positive, amazing, a force for good, absolutely way. That really (laughs) says it in a nutshell. Emma, it's been brilliant to be able to get that insight from you today and for people to to understand that it's not just a film that we kind of threw together and didn't really think about or you know and and I I would challenge anybody who did who did have that perspective because it's a wonderful piece of art in itself and I'm just so grateful for having an authentic dance mama um to make it and and long may your um influence and role modeling continue on the next generation i i'm really hoping that the film is going
1: to connect to many artists out there that's that's my hope that where they might feel unseen or unheard or frustrated or they can't see a way through i hope that the film connects to them and makes them feel seen and heard and inspires them to get connected to Dance Mama because what you're doing is amazing and be part of the Dance Mama community and be supported to be the artists that they are. That's my, that's my hope.
0: Emma, I think that is a beautiful way to finish our, our conversation today. Emma, thank you so much. You're just an absolute legend. And I said, I just can't thank you enough. Thanks, Emma.
1: Bless you. Lovely to speak to you today, Lucy.